You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach, and I've been reading a lot about gratitude. It's got so many physiological benefits and, of course, psychological benefits. I mean, selfishly, one should be grateful, if you see what I mean, because it gives you energy and empathy and all the good hormones and endorphins that you need. And don't get me started on kindness. I don't want to get crazy here. Okay, this was an odd week for a lot of us, but I have five things that were easy to get to. It was easy to find five, and here they are. Number one is a two-parter. One and two are going together, and they are two things. The movie called Marriage Story, which I saw, that's number one, which I saw at the Paris Theater, number two. So here is my bit about them. Marriage Story, directed by Noah Baumbach and starring everybody, is a really powerful, very real movie up close about marriage and, of course, divorce. I shouldn't say, of course, divorce isn't understood or an inevitability. It is in the movie, and I say, of course, because you may have seen some promos or trailers for the movie. It stars Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson as the couple in the center, and as I said, a fantastic supporting cast. And the thing about the movie is that Noah Baumbach, who has made other movies that are about divorce, like The Squid and the Whale, or that touch on divorce, he sort of knows it so well that even the tiny detail that might be overlooked by someone else becomes half of the story. Those of you who are old enough to remember Kramer versus Kramer, which was a divorce movie in the 70s. I think it was Meryl Streep's first starring part, actually. She and Dustin Hoffman covered the same territory. It's very 2019, though. The second part is that it was at the Paris. The Paris Theater was New York's last one-screen, single-screen theater. It's been kind of an art and independent and, and foreign film house for many, many years, all the years that I can remember. And a really great spot, whether it was a great date spot or a great movie spot. But it was just announced in August that it was going to be closed and torn down by the real estate developer. And Netflix, which made uh, this movie Marriage Story, somehow was able to persuade the real estate monster, I mean developer, to keep the theater open for Marriage Story and actually maybe beyond. So since it was possibly my last time in the theater, I decided to really appreciate the details, the ceiling, the paneling, the Art Deco design. Uh, I may never go again, or I may, and you may, and if the Paris Theater is still standing, next time you're in New York, try to go see a movie there. It's kind of special. Number three, an oldie but goodie. And it's my morning coffee. Now, over the 70-plus episodes we have done of Five Things That Make Life Better, coffee has been the most frequently mentioned great thing for my guests, followed, of course, by dogs. But coffee, and people love their coffee, whether it's the warm froth that Ariel Lev loves 
or the iced macchiato that Jacqueline Novak loves or the cappuccino that Adnan Khan loves. We all love our coffee, me included. And I think I fetishize my coffee. I've now gotten to the point where I look forward the night before to the coffee that I will be making for myself the next day. Is that weird? Don't answer. Two days ago, my coffee lacked oomph, and my whole day lacked oomph. I do make it pretty strong, and you know what? I love it. And if I look forward to it, that's my problem, right? I'm not hurting anybody. Number four, Billy on the Street. Now, if you've never heard or seen Billy Eichner, I need to remedy that. His eponymous show is Rude, Surprising, and Always Makes Me Laugh. You can find excerpts of it all over the internet, but his official home is now Netflix. This podcast is not sponsored by Netflix. I'm not saying that we would like to be, but I just happened to like Netflix this week. Billy's persona is that of a cruel, impatient, hostile, show business obsessive who wants innocent bystanders to share his opinions about show business. He says dangerously provocative and silly things. He makes me laugh. He assaults people on the street and he starts screaming. He doesn't start talking gently. And we'll say something like, as he just did, I I can't even say it because it'll offend you. And I don't want to offend you. Just watch Billy on the street somewhere. And number five, a documentary that I saw the other day that is still giving me long lasting waves of pleasure, like a like a scarf over my shoulders. It's called Born into the Gig, and it's about the privileges and hardships borne by the children of James Taylor, Carly Simon, Stephen Stills, Bill Withers, and the grandson of Bob Marley, who wanted to go into the music business, but were terribly conflicted about it. The filmmakers spend a great amount of time with each of their subjects and with some of their parents. And the music is so fantastic. I mean, I always knew I was a James Taylor and Crosby, Stills and Nash aficionado, but I forgot how much Bill Withers' songs mean to me and how great they are. Born into the gig also delves into the fact that these children of stars have a complicated relationship with the entertainment business their music business that forced their parents to leave them all the time to go on tour and to be away and miss a lot of their childhoods. In the end, the decisions they make as adults are pretty triumphant, and we root for them. And today, my guests are Chris Stills, the son of Stephen Stills, Tamara Weiss, the producer, and David Heilbrunner and Kate Davis, the co-directors of Born Into the Gig. They'll be here in just a minute. Don't go away. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach back with you. The filmmakers who made the movie that I loved, Born Into the Gig, are here. We're going to talk to them and to Chris Stills, who's one of the subjects of the movie. First, let me introduce you to the filmmakers, Tamara Weiss, the producer. Hi. And and conceiver of the project, I think. True. And your first movie. Also true. Gosh. Okay. And Kate Davis and David Heilbrunner, the directors of the movie. Yes. Here we are. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Okay. How did it start? I know, Tamara, that you were 
friendly or friends with James Taylor and Carly Simon for eons. Yeah, I think it began at the beginning of Sally and Ben's lives in a way because I was able to watch them grow up and saw some of the challenges firsthand, what it was like for them to get into the music business. I saw what it was like for them to grow up with parents who were often not there on the road, given the nature of uh, the music life. And um, David and Kate were friends of mine, and I took a walk with them one day and said, it's really interesting to to note these kids. There's so many of them out there and, and what kind of challenges they face. And we just took a walk and I started talking about it and said it would make a really great film. And about an hour later, Kate called after our walk and said, I think David and I would like to direct this film. <laughs> That's Amazing. how it began. Wow. True that. And how long ago was that, that walk? Four uh, years ago, something like that, three and a half or four. Yeah. And and how did you, besides Sally and Ben Taylor, brother and sister, how did you find um, Chris Stills, who is <laughs> waiting patiently in Los Angeles? Hey, Chris. Hi. I found Chris through a mutual friend of ours named Amy Brenneman, the actress and activist. And one day when I was just telling her, we've got this idea, and Sally and Ben said yes, and we're going to look for some other kids, she said, you have to meet Christopher Stills. And I picked up the phone and called him, and we never got off the phone. Wow. To this day. Now, of course, Chris... <laughs> we're still on the phone. Yeah, we're still on the phone. And you, of course, are yeah. the son of Stephen Stills. And did you think that you were destined or cursed to join your parents in the music business? That's a good question. I think, uh, you know, I... I, I I don't think I really found the music business. I think the music business found me when I came out the womb. Uh, but uh, but they but uh, I, I think maybe my I didn't think it was a curse ever. Um, my parents might disagree, and I certainly saw the look on their face when 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 I played them, you know, some of my first songs, and 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 there was there, there was some fear. There was some concern, as, as as is currently being said in a hearing in Washington D.C. at the moment. Uh, but but yeah, there is uh, there, there was. Um, I you guess know, it's a double-edged sword, the business. So so yeah, but go on. So people say, and we have all heard. And David, you used to be a professional musician. It's a terrible business. It's a tough business. Of course, now with copyrights and streaming music services and stuff, do do artists get recognized or ripped off? And the touring is so terrible. And and is that sort of why parents say get a job? Don't don't be a musician. I mean, you know, I think it's it's a great business when you're at the top, right? right? And it's a t it's a really unforgiving business if you're not. And and I think the as you say, like the blessing and the curse that. that that Chris and and Ben and Sally and all the other members of our cast in, in Born Into the Gig lived through is that, you know, the, the, the example they got when they came out the womb is this unbelievable success, almost insurmountable success. And, you know, so you're inspired, but it's also pretty bloody intimidating. Plus, also, I just yeah. want to add that Chris's father is Stephen Stills, but he also has a mother of equal fabulousness named Veronique Sasson and she's a huge 
pop star, rock star, amazing woman in France. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you. So he's got it from both from both, both sides. sides. But but there is also the thought I would think when you're little and you get into um, a taxi or you're in a a lobby and you hear your parents' songs on the air or piped in everywhere, or you go to a concert and everyone in the arena knows every lyric and every lick of every song that your parents will be performing, that you think, oh, okay, music business, I'll do this. Right, Chris, or wrong, Chris? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, although, and, and, I, and I might add that I will, selfishly, that I've, I've actually heard my own music played in an elevator once or twice in my life. Uh, although, and, and, and but aside from that, more interesting for, 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 for me was, was, you know, there was the, there was the success and there was all that and the songs that they know, but I did get to watch, you know, I did get to watch my, my parents do new songs. And there was that, there was always that moment in the show where they would try something new and, and the response was never, never as, it was rarely, rarely, you know, not well. Not I can't say that, but there was there were certainly a, a, a lot of times where new material was tried by those people, and I've seen it done by other art, very famous artists. And the response was 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 more of the discovery type, which is more oh, I got to hear that again, or or you know, it was. So I think I, you know, I I keyed in on that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I was I was paying attention to. There was always, there was always within that success, you know, of these hit songs that they'd already written. There was always the process that was there for them as artists, which was writing and creating, and and I certainly got to be around that part of it. So, for 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 me, it wasn't just about watching them kill it on stage in front of thousands of people singing their songs back to them. It was also I got to grow up within the within the creative process. I spent a great deal of time in studios and. I spent some time, you know, following them around to various press junkets and watching them do the work around it. Um, so I was really, I mean, to just, you can't just boil it down to, 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 to them, you know, to that moment. And, 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 and one thing that I did get from them is that, you know, I, I think, I think it varies between artists, but, but one thing that was always true is that, and that I really took away from it is that they weren't really doing it for the reasons to, to have, for, they, they, they're not doing it for the applause. You know, they're not doing, you know, they, they had the, the fortune of, of having it work and they have the, 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 the you know, they, they got lucky in the sense that, that, that what they created turned out to be successful and, and loved by many people. But I, I don't think that's the reason why they were doing it, you know. Um, and that's certainly not why I do what I do. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I was, I, I grew up and, and was raised in and, and certainly got to benefit from, from a great deal of success. But I don't think I, I, I think at very early on, I, I, I realized that none of it was really mine. And I realized that if I was going to do this, that, that, that couldn't be the reason why I would do it. And, and it was never the reason why, you know. Well, that seems to be something. That's a great point. And that seems to be something that unites the musicians in the film. And I love that at the opening you talked about finding your tribe. That was very touching to me, Chris. And I, I know it was to you guys. Um, the filmmakers found five people who who probably had never met before and had never been 
on a comparative plane together. And finding the right five, once you had your first two, must have been quite a, quite a challenge because there could be another child of who would have been actually a, a misfit for the blend that you got, like mm-hmm. the great harmonies of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of the ways we were partly lucky and partly we just, the three of us, Tamara, David, and and I share a, a musical sensibility, I think. We just, we never had to debate what music we liked. We really wanted to work with kids, in quotes, right. grown-up kids, whose music we wanted to, you know, sit with for years, you know, in the editing room and present to, help present to the world. And so we were lucky to have a um, five kids whose music are re- it really expressed different genres. So we have reggae or pop reggae, you could say, mm-hmm. folk, a little rock and roll, and a little sort of R&B in mm-hmm. there. And it's really quite a range. Um, and I totally agree with you know what Chris was getting at about the creative side. It's really a, you know there is such a shadow that these kids had, had have in some ways to work doubly hard psychologically to believe in themselves and go ahead and really concentrate on their own thing, you know, separate from their parents. Did each each subject, let's call them, did they each get kind of the same send off from their parents as one another? No. Uh, one of our subjects, uh, Skip Marley, for example, is raised in a, in a... First of all, he's he's separated by one generation right. from the real megastar of the family, which is Bob Marley, right? And his mom, Sedilla, was a touring musician. And he was he had the sort of being hauled around in a tour bus from age one experience that everyone in our film right. has had some experience with. But he didn't have that enormity as their mom and dad. And, right. and the Marleys also have this sort of dynasty that they've built up, and you see it in the film. Oh, and that aunt. <laughs> yes. Isn't there an aunt who sings with them? I mean, everyone. Yeah, Marcia Griffith. She has right. her own massive career right. as yeah, a reggae I had a star. feeling. But, yeah. but, but they all do fit together. You know, it, it, We all have you know mommy and daddy issues, right? We all feel the shadow of our parents. But very few of us have to in, grapple with that issue in an incredibly public way because there's very little that these kids do that is, can't become public if, if the wrong stuff happens. Right. And everything the parents do is looked at and written about. Right. And and so they were tribe members. And it was interesting to in making the film, you know, how do you fit these five stories together? Because they are they're from diff- they don't really know each other. They're from different places. But they I'd, I'd like to think that they tell one overall story, you know, that they... Well, I think they do. The The... the appeal the the kind of inevitable and irresistible appeal of making music because you feel it inside you and because you're talented at it and also the the fear of that we all have of rejection of failure of disappointing your parents of of not being perceived for yourself but mm-hmm. as a as a plus one, maybe hmm. I, I I don't know. I thought the movie captured that, and most surprisingly, the other than the brother and sister in the movie born to the into the gig, they didn't know one another when the, you made this movie, right? And and I think what what Chris said that you were referring to about you know we've become this tribe is so true and every time we all get together it's just if you can imagine the love growing further 
it does. And well, everybody was holding hands. It was yeah. so uh, just it was it, it, it was very contagious that their love for one another, appreciation. I didn't meet you until I was a grown up, but I feel like we shared so much yeah, I mean, in like, our you know, childhood. You know, two dogs meet each other and you can just see the chemistry, right? And these guys met each other and you could see the chemistry. Yeah. And what was wonderful was uh, they've gone on to do stuff together. They've written songs together. Mm-hmm. They've performed together. And there's, I think, maybe probably because Tamara and Kate and I share a musical sensibility, we gravitated towards people who had, a, a, their music sort of coheres into a certain genre. Um, it's been really fun to watch how they cross-pollinate. Yes, Yes. And uh, watching you sing with Sally Taylor, Chris, or watching you sing with Corey Withers, I mean, that was that was like getting um, a gift with purchase when I saw the movie. <laughs> I just loved it. And I felt you, I don't know if you'd rehearsed before, but you just blended so well. Well, it's, it's funny because I'd, uh, you know, yes, there were there were two songs that I had the great pleasure to sing with both Sally and Corey. You know, Sally and Corey. You know, like like us. But you know, when you're singing with someone and you're sharing a song, you know, you, you're you're giving yourself. Uh, you know, you're lending yourself and you, what you do and your your voice and your your chops to the song. You know, there's sort of this greater something greater than ourselves that's being sort of worked worked at and 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 it was such a pleasure to do that with both of them and 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 they you know they sound so good and and funny when the song that we sang uh with uh with the song that i sang with Corey was was a funny little story because we sang it was a song called at last by by um uh uh, was it edda Edda james is that edda james Uh uh-huh yeah and uh and and she starts so the night before that show, I was just I I came on my playlist and like uh, like many songs that come on my playlist, sometimes I get you know it sort of lights a fire and I'm like man I love that song so much I gotta learn it and I spent the evening before the show learning that song thinking like yeah this could be sung by a dude you know it's like be fun to do this it's <laughs> such a beautiful song and and I'm sitting there playing it and then and then and then Corey starts playing it at the at the show and it was just happened to be we had not communicated whatsoever about this and Ooh. she was planning to do it on the on the on the set and and i'm like well hey why not it's that's so weird i just was learning this last night i love this song so that was a whole first and we had not really rehearsed that song and you know but it's such a classic and Corey did such a beautiful job singing it and it, you know it was like you know, I'm sitting there learning the song, just just going up. You know, having these ideas of what it sounds like with the boy, and like going like, "Oh, is that going to work?" And then, the loving to play the chords, and like learning the arrangement, and like getting that in my fingers, and but still having this sort of lack of lack of confidence, if you will, of, of really like you know making it sound good. And then I got to do that song, playing it, which is which is I, you know half the battle. But then having the other half be this beautiful version that I that was like, you know, almost like the original. She sang such a she did such a good job doing it. That was a that was a really special moment for, for, for me and and for us and I think it, it just went over great. And your second set of parents who are standing in the studio with me are beaming with such pride. <laughs> yeah. our, our children they grow up so fast, don't, don't they? they? It's yeah. true. Yeah. 
It's They're true. doing so well. They're doing We're very so proud of them. And we yeah. are very proud of them. They really put themselves out there when there really was no reason for them to do that. And opening up the way each of them opened up for this film, it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to give you a lot of the credit, though, because you made them feel safe. I mean, everybody had some very honest reckonings on camera. Chris had his 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 talked about being a big star in Europe after a fashion after being there and being raised high school in France by your grandparents and then but you had kids in California should you stay and be a star or should you leave this great career you had and go back to America and and Corey didn't want to be a second-rate musician and she didn't feel she was ready and she had to come to New York and write songs here. I, I mean, everybody had a kind of epiphany or, or you know, at mm -hmm. least remembered how rough it was. Yeah. And, remembered and Sally failure. got out Sally. altogether. And Sally got out altogether. And when she sang on the film and sings in the room, she seems as at ease and as born into it as anybody could be. And yet she's pretty much left a music career, hasn't she? She has. I mean, I think she'll always sing because it's in her blood. And I think she will always sing. But um, she left to start something called Consensus, which is all her own doing. And I think she's found a lot of joy and happiness creating this big art project. I, I love the sound of it. I'm not going to go into that now, but I'm going to ask you to put me in touch with her so I could have her on the show because having different media inform and beget other media sounds fantastic. She would yeah. love that. Um, uh, did the, the five subjects of your film feel nervous about seeing the first the cut the first time? Did they feel represented fairly? Did they have notes? Did they Were they shocked by it? Well, well I, I'm speaking for myself. I was nervous playing the cut for them. Let's just start yeah. right there. Right, I mean, of course. Because you, you really, you put your you've heart into making it. And, and, and you've yeah. lived with them for three yeah. years. And they've right? opened up to you and you want to do justice to what, to, to match their honesty with you. Right. So I, I think I'd love to know what Chris has to say. I think Chris should answer that question, but I, I will also add that I watched it for the first time with Sally, and there were a lot of tears. I'm sure. A lot of weeping and, and love for the film, but seeing herself in a way that I'm not watching her watching her. It right. It was a different experience for her to see it. And somebody you've known her whole life, so, yeah. Chris, how did it, excuse me, how did it feel when you first saw it? I, I I was uh, well. First of all, you know, I think when making a film is 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 kind of like making a song. You know, um, you know, it, it, you you create something. You go through a lot of trouble to make it, to write it, to produce it, to put it together, to make it sound and feel right. And I think in any circumstance, when you're doing, when you're showing another person for the first time, and somebody who you care for, on top of that. Uh, whose opinion means something to you? Um, you, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it can be terrifying. Um, so you know, to take that leap of faith and to to believe in yourself enough to do that, where for David and Kate and Tamara, you know, everybody involved here has really 
done that, and we did that together, um, and, and everybody played their really, you know, integral part in the whole thing. I so remember Chris just, laughing. I, I, I remember your laughter yeah, and thinking, I, uh, well, oh, thank yeah, God. Was, was, He's I laughing. Was get there. I was going to get there, but what I was going to say, so with that in mind, I mean, I was, I was almost more, uh, as nervous for them, you know, showing it to me as I was nervous to just watch it and, like, Aww. sit there and be like, oh, my God, what the hell did I say in this thing? Because I can't remember. It was a while back. Well, also, documentary, it, is, it know, doesn't all with, happen at once. They right? shot well, you right. many yeah, no, times. No, there's incredible, right. there's incredible, you know, it took, 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 a, took, you know, over a year, I think, you know, and, and more than that to get here. But they, you know, even even the version that I saw the first time was, 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 it was just that going on in the room when I saw it. But I will tell you that, that there, there there were no tears for me. There was there was some maybe 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 a tear up when somebody said something poignant, and I was like, oh, you know, it touches your heart, really touches you. You know, there were some very touching moments in the film that really jogged on my heartstrings. But but there was a lot of laughing for me, and I I, I just think that between my dad and my mom and Bill and Carly and Ben and Sally and 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 Corey, like everybody in the film are. Or, or Danny Kurtzmeyer, like everybody had something really laugh out loud funny for me to say because it's just to me, you know, it just it was funny. But I and 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 when we watched the documentary the other day and in New York, there was there was a lot of big laughs that came out of the audience, and I and I really it really warmed made me happy because because I feel like a lot of people got it, you know, that that there's a certain there's a certain je ne sais quoi about what it is to be in the business and you know it's already hard enough but but the things that relate to when it's your family doing it and your kids I think it's just it's a very unique perspective and the fact that people were laughing out loud made me very happy and that they got it. Well I think one of the reasons the movie is so good is that within moments we're rooting for all of you we're rooting for you we we don't know the outcome really we sort of do, but we're rooting for you. And I felt, I'm just going to say this, I know the movie got a great review this week, and it's going to be screened again in New York, and it will soon be making its way around the country. But the movie gives each of you a real juicy chunk of time to learn who you are, learn how you came to be who you are, and uh, watch watch this uh, uh, conflict of should I or shouldn't I? Even though you were all you were all there, it wasn't shall I step into the grown ups pool? You had pretty much all left the kiddie pool, but still, you know, this business wasn't good for me as a kid. I hated not seeing my parents. What am I doing? I have a kid. Sally has a kid. And, and there are some real trajectories that we couldn't have predicted going into the filming. For example, Corey puts together her first album, comes to New York, crosses, you know, yeah, rips that the umbilical cord and says, no, I'm not going to stay at home with my dad, who she adores, um, but I got to go write my tunes. And so, yeah, that was a process we filmed. And that wasn't a given when you started working not with Corey. Not at all. Right. No. You know, and we have first concert, the first concert, Skip. Marley ever did um, when he's cupping them, you know, cup, well, he calls it cuffing in the mic too much. And it's, oh, like, yes. you know, he ends up going, sitting from his, you know, on his bed at age basically 18 when we started to being on the Grammys with Katy Perry. So everybody, you know, evolves, everyone. Yeah. Ben um, Taylor falls in love. And yes. he, after a, a relatively dark period, as his mom talked about, his first album was pulled the day before it was supposed to be released, which is devastating for anybody. And Ben has, um, 
He's so talented. He's got such a fantastic uh, musical style. He's yes, really, really rich. And, and so to watch him fall in love with someone who was his, his co-singer and, and then to start writing songs, you know, that everyone has an arc. Yeah, we important. won't do a spoiler here, but, but yeah. Chris's um, sort of denouement for me anyway, personally, with his um, having his father at his own show at the end of the film is really quite poignant. Yes. And in terms of passing the torch. Mm-hmm. Yes, was it was it um, as as momentous for you, Chris, having your dad there, as it was for me watching having your dad there? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, my dad's my dad's been to many of my shows, and and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he may, he he could have been performing a little for the camera that was in his face at the time, but <laughs> but but I I don't believe so. But 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 the. But he he was very sweet and and he's you know my dad has always been supportive in the best way that he knew how to be and 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 you know I'm always I'm always grateful for that and and uh, you know I I know you know me and my dad are totally cool and 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 he, he you know he knows a lot he's had a lot more experience in this business but now that I'm older I think I I you know we we talk on equal terms you know we really do and. And uh, and and it and you know you know the limelight aside and the success aside, you know we speak the same language and that's really really all that matters, you know. Well, I guess that's also something. It's not maybe visible or palpable to the five senses, but the idea that you have that language now and that he has respect for you as a musician. That's a big deal. I, I I can't emphasize enough how much this movie fleshed it out. It felt like a very if if a story has a shape, it was a ball. Hmm. And it all the there were no rough edges. The music is incredible, I should say. And the music permissions must have been daunting. Daunting. Shout out to Larry Chauncey, our music supervisor, who who sweated, you know, blood over oh this God. and got us all the way home. Yeah, I mean, that's not easy. Tough. I want to ask the two directors, this this film is quite a diversion from some of the other heavier topics that you've tackled in the past. Yes, there's no there's no murder in this film. That was mm-hmm. what? New. There was no. no, of course there isn't. Yeah. Um um how, so what was that experience for you like uh does it does it get to feel as important as as doing something about an injustice or a crime or you know Sandra Bland or right our last film say her name the life and death of Sandra Bland was an almost 2 hour sort of voyage into um sort of driving while black you know racism and law enforcement um and and uh we did another film on a similar topic um, and I, and we've done many criminal justice stories, yeah. um, but we've also Dave and I are both musicians, and we've been in bands together. I would say you're a little more professional than me, David, but you know, we we've sung and, bad. and played um, more than a lot, that. and and um, we also did a film called Pucker Up: The Fine Art of Whistling, which I'm really proud of, and you can see it on YouTube. Just just yeah. I shall, and yeah. it's and it's it goes into the world of whistling, so. Hopefully that fed into Tamara's choice of, of of working with us, aside from knowing us as friends. But um, you know, it, it's uh, to me, I'm a personally you know open to any topic if it just pulls at me. You know, and and I think that opening a world, what documentaries can do so well, um, 
is visually and you know using sound pull people into a world they wouldn't otherwise know and this really struck me as 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 fitting into that and it's so intimate now Tamara, what's next for you? Well, I have a few projects. Um, one that I'm diving into right away is another music film, but it is a feature, dramatic feature, based on Carly Simon's memoir, Boys in the Trees, with Simon Curtis wow. directing and Dana Stevens Whoa. writing the script. So that's a bigger um, non-doc film, and I'm excited about that. When and you When I think about... The your uh, and I don't know you as well as I wish I did, but uh, I know you in a limited way as the greatest stylist merchant cultural center of Martha's Vineyard or Vineyard Haven, and it's like you're Athena, fully grown, come coming right out of Zeus's forehead as a successful filmmaker. It's incredible. Well, thanks to Kate and David, my first foray out was really a joy working with them. Wow. And Chris, are you going to be touring? Tell our listeners what you're up to now. Well, um, right now, um, well, I've, I've been, uh, I've spent the greater part of the last two years um, um, promoting my, my, my current record that's out now, which is called Don't Be Afraid. Um, you can find it on all the YouTube stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris Stills Music, on Facebook at Chris Stills Music. Um, you know, um, I'm, and right now I'm I'm sort of in starting the process of of, of putting together and, and recording uh, new music and uh, and getting ready for a new record. Um, I'm gonna go out in December, doing a little tour of uh, of Colorado. I'm going back to my home my birthplace for the first time in years called boulder colorado uh and doing a little run through there uh and then i'm going to go in december and and actually play at my mom's last concert when for for a while i'm going to go and do a show in paris at a place called la salle playel uh for a for a december 30th and uh, 31st a new year's show um, New Year's Eve show. So that, are we are we that, all invited to that, Chris? Yes, please come, everyone. <laughs> okay. Everyone, everyone okay. who's listening, just buy your tickets now. You know there'll be there'll be just one or two strikes going on through France uh, at the time. <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be good. The yellow vest. <laughs> Don't worry about those yellow vest people. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> well, I hope I hope I wish you all success with the film. I wish you. Uh, I I urge my audience to go see born into the gig and before we wrap up I'd like to discuss five things that make all your lives better and since we don't have time to do 20 things I guess just call them out and we'll just go from there why don't you start tomorrow well before I start I just want to thank you Lisa for having us here and your incredible understanding and appreciation of the film has really been a wonderful thing oh. to listen to today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I have a lot of things that make my life better. One of them is massaging lacinato kale for my kale salad. Oh, I don't know <laughs> how knows. to do that. But I know that kale, if you don't massage it, it's rude. 
It's fresh. It doesn't... it makes me happier than just about anything. I just I, it's a slow process, and you have to grow the kale. You have to harvest it, and then you have to massage it, and then you have to get your garlic, and you have to make it, and then you have to get invited to a potluck and bring it. <laughs> when, when, when I went to Martha's Vineyard, one of the first when I and I stayed with I stayed with Tamara. Tamara kindly invited me to her island because it really is your yes, island. Yes, yes. Uh, and 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 so when the, when I got to her house, the first thing she showed me was her garden, and the first thing in her garden she talked about was her kale. So I like to attest to Tamara's utter brilliance and fascination and uh, professionalism around kale. <laughs> that is great. We <laughs> haven't funny. heard that one yet on the yeah. show. Um, okay, David? Well, I mean, you wanted five, right? Right. I mean, the first five that come to mind are sex, drugs, rock and roll, red wine, and coffee. Everybody's going to say those. So I'm yeah. going to give you something more personal. <laughs> okay. For me, um, what really makes me, is it's it's a really my nerdy little side comes out. I'm, I'm a really serious classical guitarist. And if I can get time for like an hour or two and sit there and really practice with this like thoughtfulness and intensity and such a zen-like presence that you need to play this stuff, that is all what makes it a great day. Wow. So that's my, that's my thing. Is that every day you try uh, to do it? There are times when it's every day. You know, I'll go for a couple of years doing it every day. Because I used to, I was going to be a concert musician when I was a kid and, and um, other, other careers took over. Spoiler but, alert, we went to high school together. True enough. <laughs> true that. Yes. Yeah, you probably heard me play on the porch. I did. There and, yeah. I did. Yeah. But that's my that's that's what makes my day better. If I get if I can have a day with a little open time to really drill into that and zen out, I'm happy. Wow. Excellent. Kate? Um, I think I'll just do a much simpler one, which is I love being with my dog. Everybody in my family is a little worried how much I love my dog, but the older he gets, the more we can talk to each other. And uh, yeah, what's his name? Trevor. Trevor, of course, such a dog name. And Chris, how about something that makes your life better? Well, you know, Mike, I could, you know, I could sit there and write a hundred hits, which I already have, but just haven't been discovered yet. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> my greatest creation and the thing that I that makes my day always better is my kids. Well, my kids are are just anything I can do to any time I get to spend with them, any time I get to help them, is a, is a great thing. Um, the other thing would be finishing a song. That is a thing that will make my day good and better every time, a hundred percent of the time. Um, a twenty minute nap is is going to extend my life. I know that. Or a meditation that always helps. And doing something for somebody. And not getting found out. And if you get found out, then it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> those nice. are those are all really good. Well, I'm gonna ask my guests to leave their five things or however many things on our blog at lisabernbach.com. And you can find all the links to the film. Again, Born into the Gig that we talked about today. We will have links to Chris's music. We will have links to David and Kate's other films. And when it's time, your next movie to tomorrow. And if you open another store, I will be there. You've been listening to Five Things That Make Life Better with me, Lisa Birnbach. My guests this week have been Chris Stills, David Heilbrunner, Kate Davis, and Tamara Weiss talking about their documentary, Born into the Gig. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google Play Music. It sounds like an instruction. Google Play Music, YouTube and iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are too many places as it is. My blog is at lisabernbach.com, and you can find links and stuff for today. This podcast is produced in New York City by thefieldtv.com. My engineer is Jimmy Regan. My team is Espresso Arucci, Michael Port, Boko Haft, and Sam Haft. Until next week, stay warm and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers. 